Let's read from 2 John verses 7 to 13. 2 John 7 to 13. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face, so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. In the first part of this epistle, the Apostle John speaks to the elect lady about love. And he assured her that she was loved by him as the elder, but also by everyone who knew the truth about Jesus Christ. And he went on to say that her love for God would be manifested in two ways. First, by her love for one another, and second, by her obedience to the Lord and his purposes in her life. Now John moves on to speak about another matter that was showing up in her region. Listen to what he says in verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. John speaks here about deceivers. And it's important that we see this in the context of what John says in verse 4. In verse 4, John says this, I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And John recognizes here that a number of the people in the church had fallen prey to the false teaching that was proposed by these deceivers and were no longer walking in the truth of the apostles. But it was heartening for him to see that not everyone had fallen into this false teaching. But he does want to address this matter in his letter. And so John recognizes that there are many deceivers who had gone out into the world. Now the word used for deceiver in the Greek is planos. And, and it speaks of a person who deceives or seduces. And it can be also used to speak of an imposter. So whether willingly or unwittingly, these individuals were, were seeking to divert God's people from the truth of the apostles to another gospel. Now, we don't have to look very far in our day to see that there are many such deceivers around us as well. Now, these individuals lead us away from the scriptures to their own way of thinking. We have extremes of legalism and fundamentalism. We have excesses in liberalism and license. But beyond what we see in the church, there are countless other philosophies and worldviews that are contrary to the Christian path. 
And these things are, are being taught to our children in our schools, and the media promotes an ungodly agenda. And John tells us that there are many deceivers that have gone out into the world, and how important it is for us to always be on the guard, watching out for these deceivers in our midst, lest we fall prey to their teaching as well. Now, having stated that there were many deceivers in the world, the question we need to ask ourselves is this, how do we recognize a deceiver? Well, John offers an answer here in verse 7. Listen to what he says in verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. So John tells us here that a deceiver is one who does not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. He actually calls this person an antichrist. Now, why is the truth of Jesus come in the flesh so, so important? Well, to deny that Jesus came in the flesh is to deny a variety of fundamental Christian truths. It denies the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. It denies the humanity of Jesus Christ. It denies the death of Jesus Christ. It denies the cross and the power and the need of that cross. It denies the resurrection and ultimately the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but ultimately our resurrection as well. And so deny that Jesus came in the flesh is to deny all the basic truths we hold as a Christian. If Jesus did not come in the flesh, there would be no cross, no resurrection, no salvation, and the Bible would not be true. All of these truths depend on the physical presence of Jesus Christ on this earth. And so John goes on to challenge believers to watch themselves. Verse 8 says this, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. The idea of watching oneself, oneself carries the sense of watching out for anything that would distract us from the truth of Jesus coming in the flesh. And John reminds the believers here that as apostles, they had worked hard to communicate the truth of Jesus come in the flesh and all the implications of that. They had preached of the virgin birth, the death, the resurrection, the salvation of Jesus Christ. And John tells the elect lady and her children to watch out that they do not wander from this incredible, vital truth and lose their reward. It is possible for believers to fall into error and false teaching. And many preachers have come to realize that after many years of teaching error, they have only given false hope to their people. And many of those people have perished without Jesus Christ. And the reality of Jesus come in the flesh is an undeniable reality and one we cannot compromise. He came for us. He came to die. He came for our salvation. And he came physically to this earth to accomplish that purpose. Now, John goes on to tell us 
that anyone who does not stand in this truth of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, does not have God. Verse 9 says this, Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Jesus does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And so for the apostle, it was absolutely impossible for a believer to abide and remain in the teaching that Jesus did not come in the flesh to this earth. Because those who lived believing that denied Christ's humanity, denied his death, denied his miracles, denied his life on this earth, denied his teaching, denied his resurrection, denied his salvation. And to deny those truths is to deny Jesus Christ himself. So in John's mind, no true believer could deny this essential truth that Jesus Christ came to this world and lived among us and died for us and for our salvation. That is a fundamental truth that all believers must accept. Now, having shown his readers that there were many deceivers that had gone out into the world and showing them how they could recognize those deceivers. John now goes on to tell the believers what they were to do if someone came teaching that Jesus did not come in the flesh. And so in verse 10, we read, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any Greeting. Now, what does it mean for us not to receive these false teachers, these deceivers into our house? Well, there are various opinions on this. First, there are those who see this to mean that if a false teacher came to the door, believers were not to allow them to enter their house and spread their false doctrines to those in their home. They were not to allow the members of their home to be deceived by this error under their roof. The idea here is that we need to protect our families from falsehood and error and deceit. And of course, this is much more difficult, of course, in our day with the Internet and media. Yet we still have to be have an obligation to be gatekeepers in our own home. So should we let false teaching and ungodliness enter our homes to deceive our children and our families? What obligations do we have as a people of God to keep our homes free from satanic and ungodly teaching that comes through various means into our home through our doors? And so first, those who, what Paul, John is saying here is that we're not to let them into our house. He may be telling us that we're not to let their teaching and their influence come into our house, but we are to guard our home and our families so that they're not subject to this ungodly philosophy and this false teaching. Second, there are those who see this what John is saying about not letting them into our house as a reference to how these teachers supported themselves and their ministries. Well, in those days, itinerant preachers depended on the hospitality of people in their communities to support them. 
And this included giving gifts, food, but also a place to stay. And as long as they had a place to stay and the resources to continue, they would continue to teach in that region their error and their deceit. And so it's possible that John is telling believers that they were not to support those who preached false doctrines and led people astray from the truth of the gospel. And this challenges us to be wise in how we use our resources. We want our money and our generosity to be used for the cause we, for a cause we truly believe in. We want our resources going to support those who are, lead, who are leading people to Christ and not away from Christ, not deceiving people. And so John may be challenging us here not to give hospitality, not to offer our house for someone to preach error in our community. He is challenging us to use our resources in ways that bring honor and glory to the Lord God and not to let them be used for anything deceitful, for anything that promotes false teaching and ungodliness. Finally, there are those who see John's teaching here to refer to to the church as a as a as a unit, and and remember here that homes were the place where churches met in those days. There were no church buildings, and for the most part, people gathered in individual homes to worship and for teaching. And John may be reminding believers here that they were to be careful about inviting anyone into their assemblies to preach and teach anything that was contrary to the truth of the gospel. John began in verse 6, or verse 8 rather, by challenging believers to watch themselves and how easy it is for us to let our guard down. We find ourselves opening our homes and our churches to ungodly influences, and these influences come into our lives today also through media and entertainment and by various other means. And John calls us as believers to be careful lest we become desensitized to the truth or hinder our sensitivity to the Lord and our fellowship with him, we must guard our homes. We must guard our minds. We must guard our hearts from deceit and from error and from false teaching. And so John is challenging the believers in this region to place a guard around their hearts, their homes, their minds, lest they be deceived and fall and lose their reward. So John tells the believers in that region that they were not to allow these deceivers into their homes. But notice also that he tells them that they were not to greet these false teachers. In verse 11, he says this, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now, the word used for greet here is Cairo, literally meaning to rejoice or to be glad. In this sense, it carries with it the idea of rejoicing in the presence of another. 
Now, greeting in our day has has lost a lot of its meaning. In our culture, it simply means to say hello, and that's a greeting. But in the sense that John uses it here, it carries with it something far deeper, a delight and a happiness to see and to be with someone. And so John tells us that we're not to rejoice and enjoy the presence of those false teachers. Uh, we, we're not to take part with them in their evil. And, and when we support them or offer hospitality to them, we share in their deception. When we are entertained by them on our televisions and in our computers, we participate with them in their evil. And this, according to John, should never happen. We must learn to be sensitive to what grieves the heart of God and choose to walk in his way and to push away those things that do not, that grieve his heart. We're not to greet in the sense of being entertained or enjoying or, or, or fellowshipping with those who teach ungodliness and those who live in ungodliness. John ends his letter with these words in verses 12 and 13. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use pen and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Notice how John longs to be with these believers, to speak with them face to face, something that pen and ink could not do. Notice how he tells them that this would bring great joy to him to see them. And, and he expresses his love and the joy that he would have to, to be with them. Notice how also he also sends his greeting to her sister, to her elect sister. Now, if we see the elect lady that John is writing to as an unnamed woman, these words then must be taken in the sense that she had a sister in the area where John lived. But if we see the, the elect lady as referring to the church, then John is sending greetings from one church to another. And so John sends his greetings. He expresses his heartfelt longing just even to be with these believers, to communicate face-to-face -face with them in love. And so as we summarize what John is teaching here in conclusion, we see this that John was aware that in this world there are many, many deceivers. And those deceivers come in all forms, all kinds of forms. In our day, they can still be preachers and teachers, but they can also come in the form of our entertainment and internet and social media and televisions and literature and all kinds of things, so that these deceptions bombard our homes and our minds and our hearts. And the apostle reminds believers that the deceiver can be recognized by the fact that he or she denies that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That is to say, to deny his person. That is to say, they deny his teaching and his salvation. They live their lives as if he never came at all. 
And these deceivers can keep us from our reward and keep us from growing in our walk with God and distract us in our purpose and in the purpose of God for our lives. And so John challenges us, therefore, to watch out for ourselves. And we do this by refusing to allow our homes and our minds and our hearts, uh, those things that distract us from the truth that Jesus come in the flesh. We do this by putting a guard around our heart and our mind. We do this by saying, a watch at the gate of our homes and our hearts and our minds. We do this by not joyfully greeting those and participating with those who would deceive us in an attempt to destroy our faith. We, we, we greet them by turning on our televisions to listen to them, by opening up our internet and being entertained by those who are deceivers. To walk in the truth requires watchfulness and discipline, and those who value that truth will treasure it, and they will not allow it to dilute and be diluted with false teachings and influences. They will hold firm to the fact that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that he lived among us and died for our salvation, that he rose and from the dead and guaranteed us a place with the Father. It is in this truth that we have hope. The reality of this truth is life-changing. It's in the fact that Jesus came in the flesh that we hope we have confidence and hope and, and we will guard this with our lives in, and we will live our lives in, in the reality of the hope and the confidence that that brings us that Jesus has come in the flesh and, and, and my life can never be the same because he came and lived among us and my entire being will be lived in gratitude for the fact that he came and lived among us, guaranteeing our salvation and assuring us of eternal hope, protecting our minds, being single-focused, with one heart, not distracted by the deceivers around us, moving forward towards him.